Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Thanks for checking out another episode of Eat Sleep Podcast and Repeat. My name is Dave Taylor. Yes, this is Eat Sleep Podcast Repeat, 106.9 The Fox and FM99's only wrestling podcast. And uh, we got the uh, quite the show for you today, an episode with Sergeant Slaughter, the legendary Sergeant Slaughter, is going to be in Hampton, Virginia on, on Saturday, March 14th. It's a VCW, Vanguard Championship Wrestling, doing their event at Hampton High School. And the proceeds are going to be benefiting the high school, by the way. And Sergeant Slaughter is going to be there signing autographs, taking pictures with the fans. And they got uh, quite the card as well. We'll discuss that with Sergeant Slaughter. Many stories, including how he discovered the the Undertaker, Mark Calloway, also uh, the Lightning Kid, and also his stories about his matches with Pat Patterson and the time that uh, he became an Iraqi synthesizer as well. All that's just coming up. Great stories from Sergeant Slaughter in just a moment. By the way, if you're checking us out for the first time because of the interview, make sure you follow us online on Facebook at East Sleep Podcast Repeat. That's ESPR99. Also on the Twitter as well. You can also email us, ESPR at FM99.com. So without further ado, Sergeant Slaughter. Sergeant Slaughter. Yes. At your attention, sir. As you were. Don't call me sir. I work for a living. <laughs> Uh, you're coming to town. I am coming to town awesome. Saturday, March 14th, and uh, looking forward to uh, seeing all my great uh, WWE and GI Joe followers, fans. Wow, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, VCD, uh, VCW Pro Wrestling returns to Hampton High School this Saturday, March 14th. All seats twenty dollars. Proceeds benefiting the Hampton Crabbers. And you're going to be there. Special guest, the legendary former WWE champion, WWE Hall of Famer, Sergeant Slaughter. Yes, I am. I'm looking forward to it. Got the uh, uh, the vehicle all packed up, ready to head up uh, Hampton, uh, Virginia. And uh, just uh, looking forward to seeing everybody. I'm going to get there about uh, oh, 06 p.m., Start signing some autographs, get, take some photos, and uh, maybe some Cobra clutches will be uh, <laughs> put on, Depend, depending, you know. Depending. Are you, you going to uh, wear gloves when you do that? <laughs> yeah. As you said, all the proceeds uh, from the event are going to benefit the Hampton High School. And then uh, after I get done uh, meeting everyone and signing autographs and taking photos and putting some uh, slaughter hugs on the ladies and over clutches on the guys. Uh, I'm going to sit back and watch that main event uh, for the WR. It should be a WCW, a, a BCW heavyweight championship match with the current BCW champion, Gino Medina, taking on a guy that I know pretty well, Brandon Scott, a two-time uh VCW champion. He, uh, Brandon was up in uh, WWE many times, competed in the squared circle, and uh, we're looking forward to come back one day. Hey, that would be nice. Yeah, he's quite quite the performer. That's a pretty good main event on Saturday night. Really, really is a good one. And, uh, you know, part of my job of being a WWE ambassador is to uh, check out the, the new talent that's out there. Because uh, we can't all wrestle forever. And uh, 
So, uh, you know, I'm hoping the guys are going to really, uh, really go out there and, and put on a uh, show, not only for the fans, but for me. Yeah. It's yeah. always, uh, always, I've always enjoyed uh, entertaining, but now it's always more fun to be entertained. Is there, because obviously your history in the business is a long time, are, are there guys that you've seen that are now in the WWE or maybe, you know, in other groups where you're like, oh, wow, like this guy has something in him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I discovered many of the uh, current uh, talents that are in the WWE. Uh, one of my uh, finds was uh, Sean Waltman, who is uh, the 1-2-3 kid, X-Pac. Yeah. I, I saw him in a uh, box of tapes that he sent in and a pile of what we call wannabes. <laughs> and, you know, there's a, about 20 boxes of uh, tapes and uh, letters and photos and uh, uh, men and women wanting to be uh, wrestlers or managers or commentators or whatever uh, may be in the uh, production end of the, of the business. And so I... One of my jobs uh, one summer was to go through all those, and uh, not only Xbox, but uh, I discovered Kevin Nash, uh, Adam, uh, Adam uh, Scott, uh, what's this? Scott. Uh, Adam Bob. Pardon me. No, that's not Adam Bob. That's. Oh uh... uh, yes, Adam Bob was one. Yes, Adam Bob and uh, or oh, Yokozuna. Was a uh, was uh, wrestling out in California and brought him in. Uh, Vince McMahon uh, saw the tape of uh, X Pac and he said, "Sarge, he's a little small, isn't he?" I said, "Yeah, he's small, but he's good." And I, I think that maybe we should start a uh, cruiserweight or a lightweight uh, division. He said, "That's a great idea. Bring him in for a tryout." And uh, of course, my one of my all time favorite finds was Billy and Bart Gunn. Wow. Uh, they were uh, they were brought in and uh, others. The list goes on and on, but I guess my all-time favorite discovery was uh, a guy that uh, sent the tape in from WCW and uh, big red-headed kid. Man, he was good. And uh, I, I said to uh, Vince, here's a guy I really, really think you're going to like. He said, Sarge, if you think he's good enough to, to be here for a tryout, you bring him in. So he came in. He uh, found me in Rochester, New York, when we were doing a TV tape. And I said, uh, you'll put your bag in the uh, extras room and uh, go to catering. And, and uh, if you see somebody around here that you can have a good match with, that I'll put you on the first or second match. You're not going to... Uh, it's not going to be shown on TV. We're just going to uh, film it, tape it, and watch it and uh, see what we think. And he said, okay. So uh, when we got to be batch time, I went up into the gorilla position, told him to come up. He, uh, he said he had a guy he thought he could have a pretty good match with. So they were the uh, first match of the night, and I uh, sent him out. Uh, I had my headset on, watching the monitors. And uh, he got down with his match. Or what, right before he got down with his match, one of my ear, ear uh, the sets went off my ear, and I heard a voice say, where did you find this guy? 
And that voice was Vince McMahon. And I said, uh, in a box of tapes, he said, well, send them to my office when he gets done. I said, yes, sir. So this uh, gentleman came came back up, and uh, he said, how did I do? I said, well, Vince McMahon wants to uh, see you. He said, did I do something wrong? I said, I think you might have did something right. Let's go. So uh, I took him down to Vince's office, introduced him. He came back out and a uh, big smile on his face, which he doesn't do much of. And I said, uh, everything okay? He says, yeah, he wants me to come uh, tomorrow night if I could. And I said, will you, will you be able to? He said, you damn right I will. And so he showed up the next night in uh, Buffalo, New York. And uh, he's been with us ever since. His name is uh, The Undertaker. Wow. The Undertaker. Mark Calloway. Mark Calloway. Man, I... I was, uh, wow. And uh, I just saw him last week up in New York at the big event. And uh, he had a line uh, out the door, signing autographs, taking photos. And so I finally snuck up uh, behind him. And did just like Vince McMahon did to me. I whispered in his ear. I said, I haven't got my 10% yet. And uh, he knew exactly who it was. And without even turning around, he said, the check's in the mail, Sarge. So anyway, that, uh, that's what happens in this business. And that could happen Saturday night. You know, there's probably some... Uh, men and women that are, are wanting to uh, make this their their living, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, in in my day, uh, in our way of getting into the business, we had regions where we would wrestle in different states. Everybody had their own little organization with their own champions, and and that's how you learned the business. Now there's not that anymore. There's there's groups like the uh, VCW that uh, uh, get organized and uh, put on great uh, events and raise money for for different charities and for high schools and and it's a place for uh, young men and women uh, that think they'd like to go into the the business uh, of sports entertainment and make it a full time job. This is a good way for them to find out if they really, really want it. So yeah, from here, they they get on uh, the, the bandwagon and, and head up uh, to WWE. Uh, and uh, hopefully uh, a lot of, as as I said, Brandon Scott has been in the WWE many times, came and, and uh, performed for us and, and uh, did really, really well. And he decided that's what he wanted to do. So he's one of the, uh, the gifted gifted ones. And I'd be uh, careful, uh, Gino. Uh, <laughs> Brandon's, uh, you know, gonna be uh, kind of uh, on fire so he can uh, show me that uh, he needs to get back up there. I think I know who you're rooting for on Saturday. <laughs> I I think you, I think you know. I actually uh, will be rooting for both because. Uh, they can both come up. You know, yeah. I'm not looking for just one or two. I'm looking for a, a whole basketball. And uh, being as discovered a, a few of the legendary talents of today, uh, Vince McMahon uh, 
takes my word that uh, if I find somebody that's, you know, I, I think is uh, worthy of uh, going through the performance center down in Orlando, uh, what a great, uh, you know, place for uh, someone to be on Saturday night. Yep. And you have, you know, with these guys, you know, the new guys or, or, or the guys who are, you know, trying to make it. I mean, you got quite the, the background because you, uh, you know, you, you had time in the NWA back in the regional days. And then um, I'm a longtime wrestling fan. So I, I go back to the 80s. So I remember, okay. yeah. you know, your, uh, you know, your time and, uh, you know, when you left WWE the first time. Um, or maybe the second time, you know, and you went to AWA and everything. So you, you had all these changes. And I remember you're coming back as, you know, you know, you know, and headlining WrestleMania seven. What, what part of NWA was that? What region were you in when you were part of like uh, the U.S. Uh, heavyweight champion and the tag team champion? Were you in Atlanta or like in the South, uh, you know, well before Crockett or where were you? That was uh, Crockett promotions in Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. And, and that uh, is where, uh, as as you said, I won the uh, U.S. Heavyweight Championship uh, from Ricky Steamboat. And then uh, I lost it uh, back to Ricky. And uh, then I uh, lost it again to uh, Wahoo McDaniels and uh, decided that I wanted to – I wasn't sure if I really wanted to go for the, the main title, singles title the uh, NWA championship. I wanted to, but it just wasn't, you know, uh, in the right right place. Uh, Flair was, uh, Ric Flair was the uh, the champion, and uh, he was going all over the country, so it was hard to pin them down to, to get a match. So I uh, decided to uh, grab Doug Cronodal, and uh, we won the uh, uh Tag Team Heavyweight Championship, the NWA Heavyweight Championship in a uh, tournament in Japan. And when we came back, we had uh, many uh, competitors wanting to go against us. And boy, we really, uh, I mean, we we made some history in uh, the NWA, Crockett Promotions. Uh, we ended up in a match in a cage in Greensboro, North Carolina with Ricky Steamboat, Jay Youngblood, with uh, Sandy Scott as a guest referee who was the, uh, I, I guess you would call him the uh, matchmaker or the uh, commissioner, and uh, Don, Don Cronolo and I. And uh, the match was uh, had a stipulation that if uh, Ricky and Jay uh, did not uh, win that match, that they would never be able to wrestle as a tag team again. So that was a pretty big uh, thing for them to have to put on the line. Yeah. And, uh, of course, Don and I, we put the championships up. So they, uh, they got one on us. They won the championship, but, uh, that was back before pay-per-view. And I told Jimmy Crockett to rent the building next door to the Greensboro Coliseum, which held 18,000 and put a closed circuit in there. And he was kind of, well, I don't know, Sarge. Uh, I know it's going to be a great match, and everybody wants to see it, but I don't know if I should, you know, do that. Well, well long story short, they, they turned around 16, turned away 16 to 17,000 people, wow. according to the Highway Patrol. So uh, it was a match everybody wanted to see, and it was a, uh, a great, great match. 
and uh, one of the highlights of my 45-year uh, wrestling career. You probably had some matches at the Norfolk Scope. Oh, many times, many times. I've been there many times, and uh, as you as you mentioned, the United United States Heavyweight Championship. When Wahoo uh, and I were wrestling for the for the title, it was in pretty bad shape. You know, it was. Uh, I believe it was created and made in 1975. Harley Race was the first U- NWA U.S. Heavyweight Champion, and it was a beautiful maroon leathered uh, belt with gold. It's gold and has all the diamonds and rubies and everything on it. And so uh, it was a really bad shape. So Wahoo decided he wanted, if he's going to win the championship, he wanted a brand new belt. And if, I, if he didn't win, at least there would be a new title for people to see. And so uh, they never asked me for it back after I'd lost. Wahoo got the new belt, and uh, I had the old one. So I stuck it in a box, never thought much of it. One day, uh, I was going through some boxes, and here I come across it. It was all moldy and just in horrible shape. So I took it out of the box, and I have a friend in Cleveland that does uh, championship belts. Uh, Reggie Parks was the one that actually made the belt. So I I had it all refurbished, and uh, it's a beautiful-looking belt one of a kind and it has a big blemish on it and uh all the champions that i ever asked after i saw the blemish uh i asked rick flair i asked roddy piper steamboat wahoo uh paul jones uh blackjack mulligan all those great wrestlers that held that title and wore it and carried it down the uh, the highway in their bags. I said, did you see the flaw? And they all said, a flaw. And when I showed it to them, they all went, I'll be damned. And, and uh, I even showed it to Reggie Parks, who made it. And he said, I'll be damned. <laughs> and uh, so I'm going to bring it. I'm going to bring it to Hampton. Oh, nice. Yeah. Saturday night, I'm going to have it uh, where I'm going to be signing autographs, taking photos. I'll love people to come by and, and see it and see if they can see the blemish. Some people already know about it because it's been, uh, you know, in magazines and things like that. But if you haven't uh, heard where it is, come and see if you can find it. Take a picture with it. Put it on. be a fun picture to, to, to do on uh, Saturday. Man, if that if that belt could talk, the stories it could tell, right? <laughs> oh my goodness, sake. unbelievable! You had a couple of uh, memorable moments in the '80s. One, kind of like the first hardcore match, if you will. Yeah, at Madison Square Garden. That, like, I mean, people still talk about that to this day because it was something that you didn't see at the time with blood and everything else. When you guys. When that match came together, I mean, did you expect it to go the way it went? With Pat, it was Pat Patterson, right? Oh uh, yes, Pat Patterson. Yeah, yeah, you're right, Dave. Uh, might have to promote you to private first class. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, we were we were. Uh, uh, I was doing a Cobra Clutch Challenge, and uh, I had five thousand dollars at that time, which was a lot of money back then. 
1980, and uh, I put that up for any wrestler that could break, or anybody that could break the uh, Cobra Clutch. And so uh, not nobody could do it. And one night, Pat in Allentown, Pennsylvania, decided he wanted to try it. And uh, long story short, we ended up in a big uh, feud. And uh, as you said, we ended up in uh, Madison Square Garden, 1981, I believe it was. And uh, we had a match called the Alley Fight. And uh, it never there has never ever been an alley fight before, and there's never been one since. And uh, what it was is there was uh, you could wear whatever you wanted in the ring. There was no time limit. You could bring anything you wanted into the ring, and uh, the match was to go until somebody won. There was no time limit, and the big thing about it was there there was no referee. So. Uh, we did all these promos and, and got ready for the night. And I got to Madison Square Garden and warmed up. And it was our time to go out to the ring in uh, Madison Square Garden. So as I was making my way to the Square Circle, I said to my manager, who I called uh, the general, that was uh, Ernie Roth, the Grand Wizard, I turned to... to uh, to Ernie, and I, I said, Ernie, how does this match end? <laughs> and he looked at me, and he he, dropped, he always wore these little glasses, and he took his glasses off and looked me eye to eye, and he said, Sarge, I don't know. And I said, well, you know, there's, there's no time limit. There's no referee. Uh, how does it end? I, so we, I went out there, and Pat was already in the ring, and so as I got up to get on into the ring, he, here he came. He that the match was on, and uh, I think it went for about twenty minutes, and it was just non non stop. I mean, it was brutal. And uh, uh, I always remember when he uh, he put this move on me called the catapult, and uh, slung me uh, up 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 over himself into the turnbuckle, but. I went way too far over the turnbuckle and hit my head on the uh, ring post. And as soon as I felt the burn of that uh, gash, I could see the blood already on my my arm. On my, I could feel it on my face. And as I fell down into the uh, into the squirt circle onto the mat, I mean, blood was just coming everywhere. And the first thing I thought about was my wife because she was on her way to New York City on an airplane <laughs> to bring me my birth certificate because Vince McMahon Sr., who was our boss at that time, wanted me to go to, go to Japan Thursday. That, this was a Monday night match. Thursday I was supposed to fly to Japan, and I had no birth certificate or no passport. So my wife was bringing me my birth certificate so I could get a passport in New York, New York City. And that, that's the first thing I thought about was how, how is she going to find me in New York City? Cause, you know, it's a pretty big place for where we were from. And, uh, and that's, that's what I think probably saved my, my life. I'm not sure because uh, I, I, I was bleeding pretty profusely and the, it couldn't stop the match. There's no way to stop the match. And, 
I didn't want it to stop. Once Pat got back on me and I forgot about my wife and got serious again, uh, we battled and battled and uh, he knocked me out of the ring and I kept trying to get back in and get back in and all of a sudden I see this towel go into the ring. And I look back and here's Ernie Roth, the Grand Wizard, my general, throwing a white towel in and I went, no, no, <laughs> no, you know, because I was, I was getting my second win. And uh, the bell rang and the people went uh, crazy, crazy as Pat Patterson said they went bananas. <laughs> and uh, it was just uh, one of those matches that uh, is uh, one once in a lifetime. If you ever get an opportunity to, to watch the alley fight on uh, YouTube or uh, Google it or find a WWE uh, DVD that might have it on there, uh, it's well worth watching. Yeah, yeah, that's a historic match. You you bounced between a heel and a baby face a couple of times in the '80s, and then you became the star, and then you left because now because was it, did you leave to go to AWA because of the merchandise, or was there something else between you and I guess it was Senior McMahon at the time? Right, I was. Uh, uh, I, I returned from my second tour of duty. I, I left New York after the the big feud with Pat and, and some others, uh, Pedro Morales and Bob Backlunds and, and uh, Tito Santana's. Uh, and I headed down to uh, Crockett Promotions. Uh, Jimmy Crockett uh, had a, uh, a great promotion going on in the uh, uh, Charlotte area. And uh, so I went down there, and that's where I course, I won the, uh, the U.S. title, and when I went back up, for, uh, Vince McMahon's father, who was our, our boss at that time, didn't like to have his, uh, basically, his villains in very long, not, not more than a year at a time, because he didn't want them to, you know, get where the people got used to seeing him too much, mm-hmm. so... Uh, he had me leave the, the first time. So I, on my second tour of duty, when I came back, uh, we we did a television in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and I was invited out to uh, a dinner with with uh, Mr. McMahon and, and Vince, his son, and uh, the producers uh, Kevin and uh, Kevin Dunn and uh, and a few others and Arnie Stoll, and, and we were having. Uh, drinks at the bar before we ate and uh mr mcmahon just loved sergeant slaughter he he loved 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 sergeant slaughter he said and he always called me sergeant sergeant it's so good to have you back i missed you i i wanted you to stay but i i wanted you to, to leave and come back and i'm so glad you came back and he was just you know really putting me over and uh you're the greatest villain of all time and and uh, just loved me. And so uh, I, I kept hearing all this praise of me being the great villain. And, and so I said, uh, well, Mr. McMahon, uh, if you think I'm such a, a great villain, you ought to see me as a hero. And he said, a hero? What do you mean? And I said, well, you got uh, the Iron Sheik from Iran here in the WWE. 
WF as it was back then, Worldwide Wrestling Federation. And I said, uh, you know, we never got any payback really from from what happened over in in Iran. We had the hostage situation, the black talks going down, the murder of the uh, uh, Marines at the embassy, and you know every everything Ayatollah Khomeini and, and all that. We we really never got any a chance to really punch Ayatollah right in the damn nose, you know. I said, why don't you let Sergeant Slaughter go after the Iron Sheik and, and I'll get some payback. Payback for all that we, we went through. And, and he's kind of shaking his head and, and look, I could see he was, his wheels were turning in his, in his brain and, and he's like nodding. And then he, he was like, in, he was visioning, visioning what I was telling him. And all of a sudden he stopped and, and it was like he was in a trance and he stopped and he go and he goes right up to my face. He said, no, Sergeant, you could never be a hero. I know that sounds good, but Sergeant Slaughter, the drill instructor, can never be a, a hero. And I said, well, I really think he could. So I looked over his shoulder, of course, and there his son, our boss of today, He's shaking his head with a big smile on his face with his thumb up going, yeah, you know, I like that idea. And, and uh, so I, Mr. McMahon uh, sees my eyes not on him, so he turns around and he goes, Vinny, Vinny, do you never, ever make Sergeant Slaughter the sergeant a hero? He can never be a hero. And, he's, and Vince says, okay, Dad, okay, Pops. We'll, we'll we'll talk about it. So, of course, shortly after that, uh, he took over. And so one night we were in Allentown, Pennsylvania, uh, again, doing our TVs. And this was like uh, three weeks after we had talked about it. And uh, the first uh, hour I went out as Sergeant Slaughter, you know, the, the villain, and everybody was going crazy. And and booing me and and all that goes with it. And uh, the second hour, the uh, the Iron Sheik did a a, a promo and uh, talked about USA and doing all kinds of nasty things and saying nasty things about our country. And so the third hour, I was uh, not scheduled to wrestle. So I was starting to take my things my my clothes off I was just going to do a, a promo at the side of the ring with, with Vince so uh, the Iron Sheik had, had a match on the third hour so uh, as I'm taking my combat boots off here comes Vince Vince McMahon my boss of, our boss of today he said are you ready I said ready for what and he goes to do it I said to do what he said to go against the Iron Sheik, Iran, and everything you talked about at the uh, at the restaurant the other night or uh, three weeks ago, and I said, "You want to do it now?" And he goes, "Yeah, in five minutes. Can you be ready?" I said, "Yeah." So I started lacing up my combat boots, and and uh, he says, uh, "Just go out there and give me your best General Patton promo, and let's." Blow the 
roof off the place. I said, okay. So he runs back out because he's doing play by play. <laughs> and so he said, I'm not going to, before he left, he said, I'm not going to tell them. I'm not going to tell anybody except you, me, and I'm going to tell Kevin Dunn in the truck what we're doing to cue your music up. I said, okay. So the Iron Sheik uh, gets uh, Eddie Gilbert in the ring and kind of demolishes him and won't quit beating on him. And all of a sudden, uh, the Iron Sheik decides, well, I'm going to do a promo. So he grabs a, a microphone and says something about the USA, and he spits. And says USA, and he spits on the ground, and, and my music hits. The Marine Corps, he, him, starts playing. And the place kind of went, like, real quiet. And I was looking at the monitor before I went out. And the Iron Sheik and, and Fred Blassie, who was his manager, Ayatollah Blassie, they were looking at each other like, what, what's going on? That They're playing the wrong music. That's, that's not our music. And, and all of a sudden, here I come. I blow the whistle, and I pointed at him and, and said some derogatory things about him. And, and uh, the people just, it was kind of like the Calvary was on its way. It, got, it, got, it was quiet, and then it started a, a, a little lull, got louder and louder and louder, and pretty soon you could hear people stomp on their feet, and they're banging on the chairs, and they're clapping, and they're, on their feet screaming, and they're USA, USA, and here I come. And, and of course, Fred Blassie, being the pro he is, even though he didn't know what was going on, he, he figured, well, they, they probably edited all this because they played the wrong music or whatever. And so he gets the Iron Sheik out of the ring, and, and uh, we went face-to-face, and I told him a few things uh, again, and finally I went in to see how Eddie Gilbert was doing. We got him out of the ring, I grabbed the microphone. And Dave, I was in such a hurry, uh, you know, after, after when you have a match, they always take your, your gear, you know, your whatever you wear into the ring, your my whistle, my sunglasses, my campaign cover, all those things they take to the back. Yeah. And I couldn't, I couldn't find my cover. I could, <laughs> I had my sunglasses uh, from, a, from another a bag that I had, but I couldn't find my my campaign cover. So I, I grabbed a, a, a baseball cap that had the United States Marine Corps on it. So I, I get into the ring and uh, I just started doing a promo on uh, the Iron Sheik. And I, I, I said, Iron Sheik, if you want to fight somebody, I'm the man. I declare war on you for all what you've been saying and for what all your country did to our, our country and, and our soldiers and our, and I, I went through the whole, thing and I finally just stopped and I said Iron Sheik there's something I've done since I was a little boy in school when I went through the Cub Scouts when I went through uh, the Boy Scouts and I, and I still say it today and I put my hand on my, my heart and I did the Pledge of Allegiance well Dave you could, could uh, you could you, it was incredible everybody stood on their chairs got their lighters said the Pledge of Allegiance with me, and when it was done, uh, Sergeant Slaughter went from the most hated villain of all time to the greatest hero of all time within a matter of 15 minutes. Wow. And uh, it was just incredible. I I had a hard time getting back to the locker room. People were jumping over the barracks, and 
grabbing me in USA, USA, and uh, it was just an incredible transformation. And uh, I got back, started taking my combat boots off again, and here comes Vince. He yelling my name, Sarge, 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 I can't believe what you did out there. And uh, so I got up, and we, we hugged each other, and he shook my hand, and he just smiled from ear to ear. And uh, I said, well, I'll tell you what, Vince, you show me your side of the business, I'll show you our side of the business, and we'll have a hell of a tag team. And he said, you're on. And uh, shook my hand again and left, and was just like clicking his heels because he had uh, pulled the, his first fast one, you know. Yeah. Uh, nobody, what, what we always try to do in our in our business of entertainment is element of surprise when you surprise somebody you know we're like magicians and and uh when you pull the the, the horse out of the hat instead of the the rabbit they go holy smokes you know how did he do that so uh that that was the start of basically the ww uh f and then it of course, went into the WWE because of the problem with the World Wildlife Fund over in uh, England. Ah. So Vince had to uh, change the WWF to the WWE. And, uh, of course, being the genius he is, he uh, he makes T-shirts that say, we got the F out yep. and uh, made millions just on the T-shirts. So, uh that's how that all began, how I became the uh, the uh, hero. And, of course, uh, you know, wherever I went, it was mobs and and uh, standing room only and, and uh, sellouts everywhere against the Iron Sheik and, and any villain that I, I would wrestle. And uh, I went on kind of a, a tour of, of, of promoting WWE. Uh, F at that time, and uh, everything just started clicking. And I got a call from my attorney, and he said, a friend of mine has a friend in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, who works for Hasbro. And they were having lunch yesterday, and they were talking about G.I. Joe and how they're going to go in a different direction with G.I. Joe. And they were looking for a spokesperson, a person that was real, a live character. And so my attorney's friend said to his friend, well, what about Sergeant Slardy? He said, funny you should mention that. That's who we were talking about at our meeting this morning. Do you know how to get a hold of him? He said, yeah, my friend's his attorney. So long story short, uh, we signed a contract with Hasbro for, for GI Joe. And, uh, of course I was so happy. I was going to go uh, tell Vince McMahon, you know, what had happened. And, uh, I went up to Pawtucket. I had a, I have a camouflage limousine. Uh, Don Trinodo was my driver, my private. And, uh, we got up to Pawtucket and I said, why don't you, uh, you know, drive around the block a few times, stopped and we put some uh, flags on the fenders and you just drive around until I tell you real slow and when when it's time we'll go up to the uh, the driveway of, of, of Hasbro the 
corporate office. So we did, and of course, the reason I did that was people saw that camouflage limo with Sergeant Slaughter on the side of American flags. They thought the president was in town. <laughs> and, and so uh, we pull up, and of course, people were coming out of buildings and, and stores and restaurants and and just surrounding the, the, the limo and myself. And, and, uh, and I look inside the, uh, the offices of, of Hasbro and all these men and women that are, you know, create all these things for everybody. They're like kids, you know, that's what they do for a living. And they're jumping up and down and going crazy. And, and so we walk in and, and, uh, we wanted to have the meeting, and of course, all the big execs were that were in there, and they were they were trying to be real, you know, tough. And this is what we do, and blah blah blah. So this is a, here's what we like to do. And, and so after it was all done, they said, "Do you have any questions?" And I said, "Well, I think you pretty well covered everything." And as I got up to leave, I said, "Just remember one thing: when I leave here, I'm the real sergeant. I'm the real GI Joe, Sergeant Slaughter." I'm the real guy, and I pinched myself, and I, I said, uh, you'll never find a better person or spokesman for G.I. Joe than Sergeant Slaughter. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, you're all dismissed. And, <laughs> and I, I left and, and got into the car, so off we go. And, and uh, about halfway back, we didn't have cell phones back then, so... My attorney said, let's stop and get a bite to eat. He said, okay, so we're going, and he's going to find a payphone and call his office, get his messages. And he comes back, and he said, they, they want to do it. I said, what? Hasbro. They just called my office three times and said, we want, a, we want, a, we want Sarge in our, our uh, new promotion. So I'll, I'm all excited. I go, tell, go to tell, can't wait to tell Vince McMahon. So I see him at TV, and uh, I walked up, and I'm so happy, and he's so happy because what's going on. And, and I said, uh, guess what, what What? just happened? He said, what? I said, I just signed a contract with Hasbro Toys, G.I. Joe. I'm going to be the spokesperson and the first living G.I. Joe in, their, in the history of their G.I. Joe franchise. He said, damn, that's great, Sarge. I'm happy for you but I can't let you do it. And I said, why? A co-promotion, you know? We got animation and then we get, you know, the real life. And he goes, well, yeah, that that's great. You're thinking right, but I just signed a contract with LJN and that would be a conflict of interest. So they won't, they, I, can't, I can't do it. You can't do it. And he walked away and I went, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is a pretty good deal, this uh, Hasbro G.I. Joe, you know. So he, every time I would talk to him, he said, I'm sorry, you know, I can't do it. But he said, if you if you really want to go be G.I. Joe, go. But you can't be here. I can't have you here and there. And he figured I wouldn't say, i I just say, okay, because you know, we were building to, to WrestleMania 1. Yeah. It was supposed to be Hogan and I against uh, – Piper and uh, I believe it was Paul Orndorff, and uh, that was what we were, were our sights were set at. And uh, so, of course, long story short, we fought each other back and forth 
not physically, just arguing about, you know, going here, going there. And finally, I said, well, I'm going. Here's my notice. And he was like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're not going. I said, yeah, you told me I could go. I said, I, I, said, uh, I talked it over with my wife, and the, the last things my wife told me before I left my, uh, my home, she said, Bob, you can always be a wrestler, but you can't ever get another chance to be G.I. Joe, the real American hero. And I said, you're right. You're right. I'm going. So we had a lot of uh, battles, you know, in courts, and, and you know, I won't go through it all with you. Uh, someday maybe you can read it in my encyclopedia because I don't think a book would, would be big enough. You need a book. You need to have a book. Yeah, yeah. But it has to be an encyclopedia, unfortunately. <laughs> now, which is what's another funny thing? You know, I, I mentioned to Vince that same thing. He said, "Sarge, we need to write you a book." And I said, "Vince, it has to be an encyclopedia." <laughs> and about three months later, here comes the WWE encyclopedias with all the uh, wrestlers. But uh, that... he, he, that's that's what happened, and, and how I, you know, did everything, and, and of course, so I left. And I was I wasn't happy. I I didn't watch WWE. I didn't watch WrestleMania for for six years. I finally t- tuned in. I I paid the money to watch Hogan and the Ultimate Puke in uh, Toronto, Canada. <laughs> and uh, I watched the match. And uh, I sat down and I I hand wrote a letter, and I sent it to Vince to his house. And I said, uh, dear, dear uh, Vince, you know, blah, blah, blah. I thought the, uh, the match and the show was uh, WrestleMania 6 was okay. I said, uh, the main event, yeah, was an okay match, not what I thought it would be. But your promotion and your, and your production, incredible. Because I'd been away from it for six years. I didn't yeah. watch it. And all of a sudden, I see, like, this. 12, you know, 15, 16 camera events. And I went, my God, this is incredible. So I just sent that to him. So one morning, about probably two weeks after that, Sunday Sunday afternoon, I'm watching a NASCAR race and uh, the phone rings. And I'm kind of half dozing off in between the the race. And uh, of course, my, my family was gone. So I answered the phone. Hello? Sarge, yes, Vince. Oh, hey, Vince. <laughs> you know, there's only one Vince, and and you you can recognize that voice. So he said, "I got your letter. I really appreciate your feedback on the production." Yeah, he said, "I I wasn't too happy about the match either, but we got it done, and and we had a good crowd." Blah blah blah. He said, "But I I uh, really appreciate your feedback on the production." And I said, "Oh, I I really." Uh, you know, believe what I wrote. He said, well, thanks very much. He said, are you ready to go back to work? And this is right after my contract had ended with, with Hasbro. And he said, uh, yeah, yeah. He said, I see your contracts uh, finished with, with Hasbro. I said, funny you should know that. He said, that's my job to know that. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, I still have a contract, but it's not, you know, I'm not doing anything else for them. But uh, he said, well, I got an idea. If you want to 
are you ready to go back to work? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. So we go uh, have dinner that night, my my wife and I and my da- two daughters. And I said, yes, we're, uh, we're dad's going tomorrow. And my oldest daughter said, where, dad? And I said, to a Vince McMahon's house. Oh, my wife perked up. What? What are you talking about? I said, well, Vince called me today. He wants me to see if I want to uh, come back to work. And he's got an idea. I said, okay. She said, okay. I said, I, I, I know Vince McMahon, and he'll take Sergeant Slaughter, the real American hero, and make him the real, 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 real American hero that he, only he can do. And she said, yeah. And uh, my daughters were clapping, and yay, daddy, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> So the next day I go to Vince's house and uh, he, he lives in a gated area. So I got through the security and I, I pull up and he meets me at the door, and hugs me, shakes my hand like nothing had happened. And talked for a while and finally he said, come on in my library. So I walked in the library. There's this uh, layout of the L.A. Coliseum and uh, he had... Uh, large big screen TVs like all around it and he said this is where we're going to have Wrestlemania 7 now this is uh, three weeks three weeks after uh, Wrestlemania 6 he's already working on Wrestlemania 7 he said this this can hold 104,000 fans since we can go on the field and he said I want to sell it out and break the old record in Detroit WrestleMania three of 93,000. And, uh, I said, Oh, wow. Great. He said, and I want you to, to sell it out for me. And I said, well, that's a, an honor. I'd be more than, more than honored to do that. He said, I want you and Hulk Hogan to sell it out for me. And I said, Oh, great. How are you going to make Hulk the, uh, the villain? And he said, Hulk, you mean Hulk? No, I want you to be the villain. And I went, and I was kind of like, all the blood kind of drained out of my body. And I went, you want me to be the villain? He goes, yeah. He says, I got this idea. So he goes through this whole idea of the Iraqi sympathizer uh, uh, being that I was, you know, fed up with the U.S. military and how weak they are. uh, You know, just disgusted with them. And so... I'm, I'm throwing my hat to Iraq, whose little country overtook Kuwait, and it's ruling the world. And so he's going through this whole scenario, and I'm just kind of like with my mouth dropped open, kind of yeah, nodding my head, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it finally gets it all done. And, I mean, he went through this thing for a half hour and uh, how he's going to build up to it and, and how we were going to build up to it. And uh, he finally said, what do you think? And I was still like in, in a, a daze. And I said, yeah, yeah, I like that idea. And he said, well, go home and talk it over with your family because it could get a little nasty. You know, I don't want you to say yes now and then come back and say no. I said, okay. So we, I left. And that night, of course, we had dinner, family again. So how did the meeting go? Well, uh, I'm going to be uh, an Iraqi sympathizer and <laughs> went through the whole thing. And my wife dropped her fork on her plate. She just looked at me across the table and she said, you can't do that. 
you're Sergeant Slaughter, you're G.I. Joe. You know, you're the real American hero. You can't be an Iraqi sympathizer. I said, well, Vince thinks I can, and I, I think I can if I want, want to. She said, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, why don't we give it a shot? She said, okay, but don't tell me I didn't warn you. I said, okay, so off we went. And, of course, it was uh, worse than uh, we even imagined. You know, there was death threats, bomb threats. I won the title from the ultimate puke in uh, in the uh, Royal Rumble down in Miami. And uh, uh, I, I, Vince brought me back real slow. We were doing all these vignettes about how I was so angry with the United States of America and its military and, and all of its politicians and every, you know, I, I, I went through it all. And, uh, you know, Vince knowing me as, as I am, he let me run the whole thing. He said, if you go too far over the line, I'll bring you back, but I want you to really, you know, get some heat going, what we call in our business and, and and get this fired up. And so I I was, I was doing some crazy stuff, Dave. I, you know, I was, Burn the teddy bear and the and the uh, shirt and uh... yeah yeah they wanted me to burn the American flag I said no I'm not I'm not doing that. Did, did when that was going on? Did you think at some point uh, that like this could harm your career like in the long run? Like this might like be the end of you know the Sarge altogether? Or I know you you know came back a year later wanting your country back, but did you think that like right. if I go too far like th- there's no coming back? No, no, I never thought that. And the last words that Vince told me before I left his home that day when he gave me the uh, scenario. He said, Sarge, always you remember, in the world of professional wrestling and sports entertainment, when you ask for forgiveness, you'll, you'll get it back because it's, that's the way it is. And I said, okay. I, never, well, I didn't give it much thought at that point because I never thought I was going to be coming back you know, from, from that. Yeah. And I figured I'd be a villain the rest of my, my life. And, uh, so I never, I never really bothered with it. You know, it was, there were some times I, I regretted it because, uh, you know, sometimes people would come up to me and, and really were into it and, uh, just despised me. And, and, uh, we just went as, as strong and as hard as we could. And uh, the night that I won the title, the reason I got into the, the title matches was uh, the ultimate puke and Randy Savage, the uh, macho man, they were in a big uh, program where they were going all over the country and doing great business. And the ultimate uh, puke, of course, the ultimate warrior, he was the world champion. And, uh, Randy broke his uh, his wrist, and and we were just taking it easy, doing nice, easy stuff, getting people riled up. And Vince called me and said, there's been a change of plans. And I said, what? He said, I'm going to have to put you in with the uh, with the Ultimate Warrior because Randy broke his wrist, and you got to take his place. And uh, Sensational Sherry is going to be your manager. And so I said, okay, so... Uh, all of a sudden, here I am in main events, and at that point, they were already into like death matches and cage matches and uh, no holes barred, and you know, <laughs> I, 
I wasn't, you know, I had been really wrestling a lot. I went to the AWA during my time away from the WWE yeah. when I was with Hasbro because they would let me, or Ganya, train me. And uh, I called him. I said, do you have any room for me? And he goes, of course. I said, well, you know, I've got this G.I. Joe thing, and I'm promoting that. He said, well, I loved it. I love it. Bring it in. We'll promote it. So that's why, that's why I went back to the AWA and became the America's champion against Larry Zabisco and a few other uh, wrestlers, some Russians. And, and, but uh, while we're, while we're uh, in these big, tough matches with the ultimate uh, puke, uh, you know, I was uh, doing crazy things. You know, I, like if it was Saddam, uh, Saddam Hussein's birthday, I'd stop at a bakery and I'd get a cake and I'd take it in the rain and, and uh, say, uh, for all those of you who may not know today's Saddam Hussein's birthday, like you all stand up and sing happy birthday. Well, you know, I didn't say it. I had the announcer say it. Yeah. Well, those people wanted to kill me. <laughs> they started they started coming over the railings and and of course we would we would uh, time it so that my opponent's music usually it was like uh, someone other than the Ultimate Warrior it would be like Rick Rude or someone like that and as soon as they heard their music then they would settle back down figuring oh, this guy will kick his ass and you know we'd have to worry about it so and, you know I, I did things like that and, and really stirred the the hornet's nest and uh finally it was uh randy had uh, healed and uh we went to the miami and, and uh he was ready to go back into the ring so we did a thing where he came out and uh whacked the uh, ultimate warrior with a scepter and almost killed him and uh <laughs> yeah and of course i had sensational sherry and uh now she's back with him and uh off he runs, the referee didn't see it, and I had to actually, the, the ultimate uh, warrior uh, laid on the second rope, and I, he was actually knocked out, and I had to yank him off the rope, and I just, out of instinct and whatever, the referee's looking at him and can't figure out what why he's knocked out, and he's got some blood coming out of his head, and so I threw an elbow <laughs> I do a flying elbow on him, boom, and I cover him. One, two, three. Well, that that even made it worse because I he was already knocked out. Yeah. And and I I made, I made it look like I did it, you know, with an elbow. And so uh, I got the title, and that's when we we had to do everything over because now I'm the champion. We had to do all our promos over as me being the champion. So we were at the Miami. Uh, arena till like three o'clock in the morning doing all these promos and photos and and so i'm i guess it must have been about 2 30 in the morning i'm kind of sitting there kind of listening and dozing off and me and gene okerlund he's got doing a, a promo with someone else and he's got an earpiece in and he's starting to do his promo and all of a sudden he goes wait a minute i can't believe what i'm hearing ladies and gentlemen Hang on, I've just been told Sergeant Slaughter is burning the American flag behind the arena here in Miami, Florida. And I heard that, and I went, what did he just say? And so he goes, he says it again, I can't believe it. 
Sergeant Slaughter is burning the American flag. So I jumped up right in front of the camera. I cut, cut, cut. <laughs> so they're, they're taped, you know. So yeah, cut, yeah. What, what what's going on? Here comes uh, Vince. What, what's wrong? I said, uh, he said, I'm burning the American flag. He said, oh, yeah, we're just going to say you are. I said, no, no. You're not going to say I'm burning the American flag. And I'm not burning the American flag. I said, if you want to do anything, burn, burn, uh, put his shirt on a flagpole, and I'll burn that. You know, Hulk Hogan's shirt. That I'll say it's the uh, it's the sign of uh, Americana. You know, or the flag of Americana. And uh, so later on, of course, we did that, and it was a much better type of heat, as we say in our business. And you know, uh, you don't want the too, too much of that stuff. So anyway, my agent and I, from William Morris, we, we head over to have some breakfast before I catch a plane to, to get out of town. And we're sitting at this restaurant. It was, it was kind of a mom and pop's place, and there was nobody in it. So I'm sitting there, finally this waitress walks by and says, excuse me, ma'am, could, could we get some service? And she came over and she handed us a menu and walked away. So she's gone for forever. And finally, I, I said, excuse me, to reorder? And she ran into the kitchen. And here comes this guy out of the kitchen. She has a spatula in his hand. And he's, got, he's dressed all in white. He's got a little uh, Navy uh, uh, hat on, uh, pulled over his, his, uh, his head, and uh, he's the chef. And the, the fry cook or whatever he was. And he walks over and he says to my uh, agent, you can eat. And he takes a spatula and points at me and goes, you're not. And he rolls up the sleeve of his shirt. He's got the uh, Navy uh, emblem uh, seal on tattooed on his arm. <laughs> so I said, okay, I can see that we better not eat here. So up. Uh, up we go, and I just went to the airport, and next day I flew to Philadelphia. So I get to Philadelphia, I walk in, and uh, Jay Strombo was the agent. And he said, Serge, have you talked to, to Vince today? I said, no, I saw him last night. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the emperor wants you to call him. And uh, we called, he called uh, Vince McMahon the emperor, <laughs> and so... He says, the emperor wants you to call him. And also, have you uh, spoken to your wife? I said, no, I haven't talked to her yet either. I said, is there something wrong? He goes, oh, no, 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 no. Just uh, give them a call. So I call my wife. I find a pay phone. I'll answer. I get a recording. And so then I called Vince. And he had said he just got back in to, to his office from the night before. And. So I said, uh, what's going on? He said, well, have you spoken to your wife? I said, what's going on? Something happened to my, my wife. He said, no, no, everything's fine. He said, uh, somebody uh, called the wrestling office this morning and left a message that uh, he was going to kill you, going to kill your family, going to kill me, kill my family, going to blow up our houses, blow up our cars, blow up the studio, blow up my office. So I thought I better take some precaution just in case and call your wife and get her out of the house for a few days until I can get some security up there. And I said, oh, okay, all right, yeah, thanks. 
So he said, are you doing all right? I said, yeah, I'm fine. I had a couple of confrontations, but I'm, I'm okay. So I finally get a hold of my wife, and, and she said, I told you this wasn't a good idea. <laughs> she said, uh, you know, Vince called me this morning and, and, and asked me if I could stay at a friend's house, or he put me up at a hotel. So I, I'm over at, you know, so-and-so's house, and I said, okay, everybody's okay, oh, yeah. So uh, then about three days later, I get home to uh, Connecticut where I lived, and I, I lived on a four-acre piece of land that was very, very difficult to find. It had a dirt road, no dirt, no, no uh, road sign. And uh, as you went down the, the, the driveway about a half, uh, about maybe a quarter of a mile, you take a, a left and you go up this real steep embankment and you come to a plateau and there's where our house was. And as I get to the top, there's this Winnebago up there. And I went, how the hell did that get up here? I can't hardly get my car up here, but there it was sitting there. And uh, as I got out of the car, here comes four guys dressed in suits and introduced themselves. And they opened up their the, their jackets and showed me they were carrying weapons. And they were going to walk the perimeter of my house 24-7 until they were told not to. They were going to live on the property in the Winnebago. And uh, they were going to take my wife to the grocery store and to the beauty salon and and wherever she wanted to go. And, my, and uh, there was going to be somebody at my children's school uh, while they were there. And, and I said, okay, yeah, right. And so I go in the house. And, of course, my wife's got the rolling pin in her hand <laughs> ready to knock me out. And I, she said, I told you it wasn't a good idea. And I said, hey, I, I know, I know, you're right. But uh, she said, and, and I'm not having anybody take me to a, a, a with a gun, with a weapon, to a, a grocery store or to the beauty shop or whatever, and my children are not going to have someone at their school. I said, yes, 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 I know, I know. I think it's basically for me. So, of course, from that point on, I had uh, somebody with me wherever I went. And I would not fly, uh, I would fly, but not on any plane that any other talent would be on. And, uh, Dave, I would uh, get in a car and they would take me through the airport uh, uh, fencing gates and take me right to the airplane, underneath the airplane. Uh, please, usually two police cars and a, and a, and a regular car. Wow. And uh, I would go up the steps of the plane just like the pilots would, you know, would go down, up and down and check stuff. And and I would always be the first one on the plane, and I would be sitting there when everybody else came on. And I'd always get these looks like, how the hell did he get on here? We never saw him get on here. Yeah. And so when, when we would land, everybody would get off. I would stay till the last person was off, and then I would go back down the stairs. They would pull the gate away, and I would go down the stairs and get in a car and please escort to either a hotel or to the arena. And uh, most of the time I would dress at a hotel, and the matches would start in about the third or fourth match. I would be picked up, taken to the arena. I would wrestle. They'd have intermission. I'd go back either to the hotel or I'd head out to the airport, and nobody ever saw me coming or going. That so that's, yeah, that that's explains kind of stuff that we went through. 
That explains on the card because because I, I, some of the shows and like on the network I would see like an MSG show and like he's in the middle of the card like that should close the show but now that makes sense why that was going on. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I wondered that because it's like you were the you're, you're you're fighting Hogan or you know you're trying to get your title back and then but it was like before intermission I was in the middle of the show and then it's like but that that's odd because that would be right. like the main event in any building in the yeah. country. Yeah, but but we went up and down you know. Up the up and down the highways and across the country and overseas and I mean it was it was hot it was uh, I mean everything was selling out and it was business was great and I was still you know doing things for for Hasbro uh, visiting you know children's hospitals veterans hospitals yeah. doing toy stores and back when uh, Toys R Us were still open and I go overseas and do. Uh, you know, appearances for them, uh, even though I wasn't under contract, they paid me. And, and so Vince was okay with that. You know, we, we did all that. And, uh, so, you know, that, that was kind of the short version of how everything got uh, into that, that form. And then of course, uh, we worked so hard to get to that LA Coliseum and the 104,000 and, uh, about, uh, I guess five weeks it was before the event, Vince brought uh, Hogan and I together in a room and he said, I got some bad news and, and uh, I thought maybe something had happened, some family or whatever. Yeah. And he said, uh, we're not going into the Coliseum because they want uh, $4 million just to have security there and check everybody that comes in. And cause I was still getting death threats and, and uh, bomb threats. And uh, one night in Madison Square Garden, uh, Vince said there are some people here in the back room that want to talk to you. And I went in with the FBI, and they introduced themselves, and, and uh, they said, we don't know if you realize how much danger you're, you're in every day of your life because we get calls, not us, but, you know, local police departments and and they all call us and uh you know that people want wanting to get you and uh we would appreciate it if you would you know they brought out this box and they opened it up and it was a bulletproof vest it was made, made out of a mesh brand new they they wore were wearing them and they said we appreciate it maybe you could wear this when you wrestle or when you're you know traveling or whatever and uh, I said, oh, well, I guess I could, could do that. But, you know, I never brought it up to my family or anything yeah. like that. Wearing a bulletproof vest. But uh, that that was the kind of uh, heat, as we say, uh, was going on. And so I did that for a while, and I, then I stopped. And and that, that was the only real rough time of, or the hardest part of the whole program, as we say, with Hulk, Hogan to go to. WrestleMania seven was that we didn't get to get that 104,000 opportunity to, yeah. to fill that place up and have that, that record next to your name. You know, when I'm long gone, you know, there'd still be a, a paper saying Hulk Hogan and Sergeant Slaughter sold out LA Coliseum for 104,000. Now that that's, that's bigger than anything you could ever want to have. Oh yeah. Uh, that's that's your badge of honor when you see so 
always behind your name, sold out. I mean, that that's a big deal in our business and sports entertainment. Yeah. And so that, that, w- that was the hardest part about it all. But it, it was real funny, Dave, because when I got to L.A., I'm friends with Willie Nelson, you know, very good friends with Willie Nelson and, and, uh, Regis Philbin. I've been on his show many times and, and Donald Trump. I have been to many events with him and, uh, he had, uh, Marla, uh, Maples at that time he was dating and, uh, uh, Alex Trebek. I was, I was, uh, kind of a friend of, with him, not, not a, like I was with Willie and, yeah, and, not Johnny. Uh, and the other guys, but when I got when I got into the LA uh, uh, arena, I got there early because the show went on early. We had to be at we started at four o'clock, so I, I get there and they're they're all you know talking and laughing, having a good time. So so I'll go, I'll drop my bag off in my locker room and and uh, before I go have catering, I'll go say hello. So because we always have rooms for different celebrities and, and they all came out of the rooms and were, were having a good time laughing and carrying on and, and talking. And so I walked up to them and as I walked up to them, they all, I heard, uh, Willie say, here he comes. <laughs> and, and I wasn't thinking much of it. And they all turned to me and walked away, went into their, their rooms. Wouldn't even talk to they were so into it that they believed that, you know, I was an Iraqi sympathizer, you know, and uh, they wanted nothing to do with me. <laughs> so uh, I guess we we were convincing a lot of people, you know, yeah. what we were doing. And, and of course, when, when it all uh, got down to it, usually WrestleManias are where, you know, a program ends. Two guys that have been fighting and fighting and fighting and finally they have their last match and it's at a WrestleMania. Yep, the blow so Holger and I had never wrestled each other much, you know, probably maybe two or three times. So uh, I gave the idea to Vince to, why don't we prolong our, our, our uh, program and let me, you know, get back at Hogan after the match. So, of course, I did the fireball. Yep. His face and he was coming into his locker room and, and uh, was pretty nasty to him while he was laying there suffering, and and uh, and we continued, you know, the the program, and it went on for you know quite a while. Yeah, until SummerSlam. Yeah, until it was time for me to uh, ask for my country back, and and that's what we did. And uh, it, it took a little while. People were, you know, I I convinced people pretty hard, and uh, a lot of them weren't. Going for it, you know. I, I heard a I heard a story. And this is true. Maybe the first time you tried that with hacksaw Jim Duggan, that it didn't really go over well in an arena. Right, right. Like, they didn't put that on TV. <laughs> and uh, and people just weren't weren't going for it. So we were in uh, uh, some place. I think it was Boston Gardens or the Boston uh, Arena, uh, and uh, Vince said. Let's let's try another promo. You and you and Hacksaw teamed up against the Nasty Boys, so why don't you go do a promo by yourself and ask for your country back again? So I do. I go out there. Of course, they're booing and throwing stuff. And Gene Okerlund uh, was there, and, and I said uh, I did my promo, and and it just wasn't you know. 
going the way I wanted it. So finally, I just grabbed the microphone and I started singing God Bless America. And uh, it was kind of like what happened in Allentown when I did the Pledge of Allegiance. Everybody stopped booing and, and yelling and they stood up on their chairs and sang God Bless America with me. And uh, I actually got choked up, you know, and I started kind of getting a, a, some tears in my eyes and uh, my voice started cracking and I finished it and then I just walked off and the people started standing up and, and chanting and USA, USA. And, and uh, so I get to the back and Vince looks at me and goes, I can't believe what you just did. You are incredible. And, and I said, uh, well, you told me I'll get my country back. And he said, yeah, yeah, it was incredible. He said, while you were doing that, when you got done, he said, I got to thinking, maybe we should get in that tag team match and you turn against Hacksaw and we'll keep it going. I said, I said, okay. And he goes, no, 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 no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he said, let's just keep, keep going the way we're going. So that's how I kind of got back, uh, into the good graces with uh, the uh, wrestling fans and and uh, the, the WWE universe, as we call it. Yeah. Did your uh, wife ever forgive you? <laughs> never. <laughs> so are mine, too, after all this time. Remember when you she's did looking, that? <laughs> she's looking at me right now and, and got this evil look on her face. <laughs> awesome. Sergeant Slaughter, thank you so much. Well, I, I appreciate it. I hope I'm not... Uh, talking too much here, but no, no. I, I, but believe me, I, I, there's so many stories I, I, I'd like to ask, and you know, and go into the '90s and into Dx and when you're commissioner. But you know, we have, we have only so much time. But man, I mean, because I, I, I'm yeah, a longtime yeah. wrestling fan, and um, you know, yeah. I, I remember that stuff. And when you talked about yeah. the Undertaker, like you know, I remember his days as Mean Mark Callis, and uh, yes, you know, being yeah. a skyscraper briefly, and then yeah, when I saw him walk across the top rope, I I. I stopped the, uh, the the video and I grabbed it and I, I ran into Vince's office like a little kid. And, and of course, as I said earlier, he said, Sarge, if you think he's worth a, a tryout, bring him in. So uh, it, it's things like that that just make it all worthwhile with what we do sometimes in, in our lives. And, and I'm looking forward to coming to Hampton and the, the Vanguard Championship Wrestling event, the BCW. Uh, Saturday, March 14th, and and I'll be there about 6 p.m. Uh, the bell, uh, first match bell time, I believe, is 7.30. Yep. And uh, before all that, I'll be signing autographs, taking photos, and as I said, I, I've got a couple of slaughter hugs for the ladies and some Cobra clutches I can put on. And uh, just remember that all, all the proceeds go to the uh, – from the event, go to the uh, benefit the uh, Hampton High School, and uh, that's that's worth the price of admission right there. And absolutely, and looking forward to that big main event with uh, Gino uh, Medina and uh, Brandon Scott. Looking forward to that. Well, we, we appreciate you coming out for that, and I'm gonna try to head out there, and uh, it'd be nice to meet you. Well, if there's no other questions or uh, no. We'd be, we'd be talking till Saturday. <laughs> okay, yeah, you got it. I look forward to oh. I hope you can, can come by and we we can continue talking. That would be great. Sergeant, thank you so much. Remember, I'll be bringing that uh, the, 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 the belt. NWA U.S. Championship belt with me. That's it's right. Worth, uh, worth, worth seeing that also.
And uh, until uh, Saturday, you're all dismissed. Yo, Joe. <laughs> Thank you, Sarge. Thank you. You have a great day. All righty. Thanks. Bye-bye. As you were. Carry on. So great talking to Sergeant Slaughter. Looking forward to the event on Saturday in Hampton, Virginia. Vanguard Championship Wrestling happening at Hampton High School. And the proceeds for that event benefiting the host school. Which, by the way, $20 a ticket, which is great for a wrestling show. Again, we have all the info on our page as well. It's uh, ESPR99. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, we appreciate the uh, followers. Which, by the way, uh, I don't know how you're listening to us, but uh, we're on SoundCloud. We're on TuneIn. We're on iTunes as well. And uh, thanks for uh, sharing the podcast with you. If you're an old school wrestling fan, we appreciate you listening to us on this particular episode. And we'll be back next week for another episode of Eat Sleep Podcast and Repeat.